Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your lives. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on We Are Heirs to the Throne. So I have a question. What does it mean to be co-heirs or joint heirs with Christ? Well, maybe this will help. In Romans 8, 17, Paul says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. According to his verse, we share in the sufferings of Christ now and will share in the glory of Christ later as his co-heirs or joint heirs. The term heirs of God emphasizes our relationship to God and Father as his children. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven, the Greek term translated heirs in Romans 8.17 refers to those who receive their allotted possession by right of sonship. In other words, because God has made us his children, we have full rights to receive his inheritance. We are his beneficiaries. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, is the natural heir of the Father. God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Christ's inheritance is the whole universe, all that is in existence. Hebrews 1.2 says that the Son has been appointed heir of all things. Being a co-heir with Christ means that we, as God's adopted children, will share in the inheritance of Jesus. What belongs to Jesus will also belong to us. Christ gives us his glory, his riches, and all things. We are as welcome in God's family as Jesus is. We are accepted in the beloved. All that belongs to Jesus Christ will belong to us, the co-heirs as well. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Think of all this, what that means. Everything that God owns belongs to us as well because we belong to him. Our eternal inheritance as co-heirs with Christ is the result of the amazing grace of God. The musical play Annie contains a wonderful illustration of becoming an heir of God. When Annie moves from the orphanage to the Warbucks mansion, it's an incredible change for her. She leaves behind a spiteful, alcoholic caretaker and enters a relationship with a caring father. She goes from having no possessions to having a fortune at her disposal. The hard-knock life is overcome by the brightness of sunny tomorrow. Seen for a Christian perspective, Annie pictures what being a co-heir with Christ means. We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Again, out of Romans 8.17. So Ephesians 2.13 says, In Christ Jesus, who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God took us, poor orphans in this world, and made us part of his family through faith in Jesus Christ. He has showered us with blessings and promised us an eternal inheritance based on the worthiness of Christ himself. Rick Warren writes, There is an inheritance waiting for you. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. If you were the son of or daughter of Bill Gates, it would probably stand to reason that you were going to receive a large inheritance. But you have a father that is wealthier than Bill Gates. Your heavenly father has prepared an inheritance for you as one of his children. And Romans 8, 16, and 17 is one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. Everything that God has given to his son, Jesus Christ, he's given to you also. 
you're going to share in his glory. That's limitless. In heaven, you will have unlimited access to the unlimited resources of God because God created you to be his child. But you must choose to be his child by asking him to accept you into his family. Everybody is created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. You have to choose him and say, Lord, I put my trust in you. I accept what you did for me on the cross. I believe in you and I want to love you and trust you. When you do that, you become a child of God and you're going to have an inheritance one day. Any parents are going to want to know that their child is responsible before they give the inheritance. Oftentimes, parents test their children in small amounts before they are given a larger amount. The same is true with you spiritually. This life is your test. God is testing you to see what you do with little amounts before he trusts you with more in eternity. He's watching what you do with that little bit of talent to see whether you're going to be responsible enough to get greater talents in heaven. He's testing you to see how you handle the little bit of wealth he's given you. How do you handle the relationships he's given you? How do you handle the little opportunities he's given you? If you're doing well with it, guess what? The Bible says you will be trusted with more in heaven. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones, out of Luke 16. What are you doing with what you've been given? So next I'm going to read you a story. It's called On the Other Side. A sick man turned to his doctor as he was leaving the room after paying a visit and said, Doctor, I'm afraid to die. Tell me what lies on the other side. Very quietly, the doctor said, I don't know. You don't know. The man said, You, a Christian man, do not know what is on the other side? The doctor was holding the handle of the door on the other side of which came a sound of scratching and whining. As he opened the door, the dog sprang into the room and leaped on him with an eager show of gladness. Turning to the patient, the doctor said, Did you notice my dog? He's never been in this room before. He didn't know what was inside. He knew nothing except that his master was here. And when the door opened, he sprang in without fear. I know little of what is on the other side of death, the doctor continued. But I do know one thing. I know my master is there. And that is enough. And when that door opens, I shall pass through with no fear, but with gladness. So next, I'd like to introduce a song to you called Before the Throne of God Above by Tommy Walker. And here it is. Despair, 
What a great song. And the lyrics that I like best are these. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I love that. My name is written on his heart. So what does it really mean to be joint heirs with Jesus? And again, we're going back to Romans 8. It says, Out of 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. And 17, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Paul goes on from discussing the Spirit's most important role of bearing witness with a believer's spirit to what on the other side of the new birth. Paul says if we are children, then we are also heirs, heirs of God. So what does that mean to be an heir of God? The Greek word heirs is klernomeo, which means a receiver of an inheritance, a beneficiary. So if we are children, we are receivers of God's inheritance. The inheritance we possess in Christ does not have any basis in works. It is not what we have done. Our inheritance does not have a basis in personal morality, nor in any other station enjoyed by human beings. The inheritance comes to us strictly by saying yes to Jesus. Being heirs of God is one part of our inheritance, but being a joint heirs with Christ is yet another. The Greek word for joint heirs is the same word as heirs above, with a sin in front of kerenomeo, which adds the meaning joint or co-receivers of inheritance, a joint or co-beneficiary. What an awesome thought that we have received and inherited together with Jesus Christ. The fact we could share anything with Jesus as much less put our names in the same sentence as we as his can altogether be nothing but the grace of God. So how humbling these thoughts are. Heirs do not have to work to earn their inheritance. The inheritance or possessions has to be created or be in place beforehand. Someone had to be born, someone had to pay the penalty for sin and become the heir before they could ever be joint heir. The full inheritance Jesus purchased for us has been set aside or reserved for us for a future time. And out of 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. But we have an earnest from the Spirit, an earnest is the first installment. It's the taste of coming fullness. Right now, here in this life, we can enjoy the benefits of healing and wholeness because it's part of our inheritance. Right now, here and now, we can enjoy peace with God and peace in our lives because it's part of what belongs to us. Right now, here and now, we can possess a clear, sound, and disciplined mind because it's part of what God has given us. Fear should not rule us because freedom from its part of the Jesus Joint Heirs package. Having problems with the devils, demons, or evil spirits? Rise up and access your inheritance. Authority over the dark realm is also part of your inheritance. Don't wait until you get to heaven to enjoy all which Jesus died for you to obtain. Your inheritance is eternal and never fading. And Hebrews 9.15 And for this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant. By means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. The book of Revelation helps us also as we continue to look at the reality of our endowment. The fullness of our inheritance of Jesus belongs to the overcomer as a sole possession. And out of Revelations 21.7, He overcome shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So what does this tell us? 
It tells us that there's even more which are going to be able to walk in and enjoy. If you think walking with Jesus is good now, you haven't seen anything yet. So, the overcomers inherit all things. Now, all we need to know is who are these people? Is it some special group? Are they some super vigilant, highly spiritualized individuals? Who are the overcomers spoken of in Revelation 21.7? The Bible clearly tells us it's us. 1 John 4.4 You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you are of God, you are an overcomer. Overcomer means you. The word overcome means to win in the face of obstacles. It means to overcome or vanquish someone. You have overcome devils, demons, and evil spirits. You are of God. The overcomer is the one who inherits all things. He is the one who enjoys all the benefits and privileges which Jesus made available. Your future is out of this world. So did you know the word of God is your direct link to your inheritance? Out of Acts 20.32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's the word which is able to build you up. It's the word of God which gives you your inheritance in Christ. The Bible contains the information of what your inheritance contains. But at the same time, that you see what belongs to you, the Word has the ability to impact the faith you need in order to embrace it. The various parts of your inheritance which are available right now are assessed by faith generated by the Word. The force of patience comes alongside your faith to help you keep steady. In Hebrews 6.12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what exactly do we inherit with Christ? Well, primarily, we inherit his kingdom of God. And out of Matthew 25:34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So knowing and studying the kingdom of God is knowing and studying your inheritance. An inheritance is no value unless it is known. Charles Spurgeon told the story of a poor woman who he visited in her run-down home. While in her home, Spurgeon noticed a framed letter on the wall. Looking at the document, he asked a woman if he could look at it and have it examined. It turned out that the letter was a legal document written in the handwriting of the woman's now-deceased employer. This employer was a woman of means. She left behind provision for this woman who worked as a servant in her home. The terms in the provision included that this woman would be taken care of for the rest of her life. A home was part of the arrangement, yet this poor woman was living in a run-down shack. This woman's needs were to be met, yet she was living hungry and in abject want. Why did she live this way? All because she had an inheritance she knew nothing about. And one of the best parts of our inheritance is when God raised Jesus from the dead, he inherited a name above every other name. Out of Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, 
and those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus inherited his name, he turned right around and gave his name to you. Out of John 16:23, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Inheritance is no value unless it is known and acted on. Make it a goal of yours to know and walk in all that belongs to you. Settle for nothing less than the best Jesus offered to you. Your inheritance in Christ. So what does it mean to be that heir? Financial security, wealth, retirement, inheritance in this world, we'd like to feel secure when it comes to our future. We want to know that we are taken care of financially and we save our pennies hoping to one day retire well and leave an inheritance for our children. But while there is nothing wrong with saving for the future, we need to remember that material wealth can be gone in a moment's notice. On the other hand, spiritual wealth never fades. The Bible speaks often of our inheritance in Christ. But what does it mean to have an inheritance in heaven? So what qualifies you and I as heirs? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him out of James 2.5? As children of God, we are his heirs, much like an earthly father leaves his children an inheritance, our heavenly father bestows upon us an inheritance as well. But there is one major condition, we must be his child. We must be born again into his family and pick up our cross to follow him no matter what the cost. We surrender our hearts to him in all things, we, uh, and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives. According to Hebrews 1-2, Jesus was appointed by God as heir of all things. So what does it really mean that we are joint heirs with Christ? It means that we share in his life example. We die to sin in our old selves and raised to new life in him. In sharing his sufferings, we will also share in his inheritance. What belongs to Jesus will belong to us as children of God. So I know I've gone over the same thing over and over, but it's real important to understand what it is to be heirs to the throne and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the reason why we're going over the same scriptures and some of the same meanings, because I think it's really important that we understand what it means to be heirs. So blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time out of 1 Peter 1, 3, and 5. We've already established that Jesus is heir of all things and that we will share in his inheritance. But the Bible tells us even more. This inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade. It is also reserved in heaven. Our inheritance involves many aspects. We will inherit our salvation, the kingdom of God, and even the whole earth. The Bible also speaks of glory, honor, and crowns in heaven. So needless to say, it will be an inheritance that is far grander than we could possibly imagine. 
So how does being an heir affect my everyday life? Do not stir up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, out of Matthew 6, 19-21. Jesus told us to store up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. As an heir, this should be our main focus. The truth is, is that any wealth or treasure we build here on earth will one day have to be left behind. We cannot take it with us, but our treasure in heaven is secure. It cannot be stolen or taken from us in any way. Building an eternal wealth in heaven is a far better investment than building a material wealth here on earth. As long as we're born again, you are no longer a slave, but a son of the Most High God, and God does not just call you his son. He also calls you an heir through Christ. In fact, Romans 8 again says that you are joint heirs with Christ. As a joint heir with Christ, you inherit everything that he is. How precious Jesus is to the Father. How is how precious you are to the Father. The way the Father loves Jesus is the way the Father loves you. How accepted are you by God today? Look at Jesus. That is how accepted you are. Christ in the measure of your acceptance. How favored are you by God? Look at Jesus, who is seated at the Father's right hand. You enjoy that same favor today, because whatever Christ enjoys, you enjoy. As a joint heir with Christ Jesus, you also inherit all that he has obtained from the Father. How much Jesus has is how much you have. How prosperous is the one who made all things, and who put the gold, silver, and diamonds in the earth. So you are in this world. I used to read the Bible to find out how to be a successful and victorious Christian. But now I read it to find out more about Jesus because I know that when I find him, I find my every blessing in him. And that's out of Ephesians 1 and 2 Peter 1. My friend, all that Jesus is in heaven today, you are in this world. All that belongs to him belongs to you. That is why it is in your interest to know him more to see him and all, and all his glory and beauty. And because Jesus is so glorious, it will take you a lifetime to discover everything that he has done for you and has for you. So, beloved, are you an heir of the Most High God? You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So find out all the blessings that your rich inheritance includes and start walking in them today. So I'd like to end today's episode on a little story It's kind of off the subject of heirs to the throne, but I think it's really good for what's going on in today's world. And the story is called The Color of Friendship. Once upon a time, the colors of the world started to quarrel. All claimed that they were the best, the most important, the most useful, the favorite. Green said, clearly, I'm the most important. I'm the sign of life and hope. I was chosen for grass, trees, and leaves. Without me, all animals would die. Look over the countryside and you will see that I'm in the majority. Blue interrupted. You only think about the earth, but consider the sky and the sea. It is the water that is the basis of life and drawn up by the clouds from the deep sea. The sky gives space and peace and serenity. Without my peace, you would all be nothing. Yellow chuckled. You are all so serious. I bring laughter. 
gaiety and warmth into the world. The sun is yellow, the moon is yellow, the stars are yellow. Every time you look at a sunflower, the whole world starts to smile. Without me, there would be no fun. Orange started next to blow her trumpet. I am the color of health and strength. I may be secure, but I am precious, for I serve the needs of human life. I carry the most important vitamins. Think of carrots, pumpkins, oranges, mangoes, and papayas. I don't hang around all the time, but when I fill the sky at sunset or sunrise, my beauty is so striking that no one gives another thought to any of you. Red could stand it no longer. He shouted out, I am the ruler of all of you. I am blood, life's blood. I am the color of danger and of bravery. I am willing to fight for a cause. I bring fire into the blood. Without me, the earth would be as empty as the moon. I am the color of passion and love. The red rose, the poinsettia, and the poppy. Purple rose up to his full height. He was very tall and spoke with great pomp. I am the color of royalty and power. Kings, chiefs, and bishops have always chosen me, for I am the sign of authority and wisdom. People do not question me. They listen and obey. So finally, Indigo spoke, much more quietly than all the others, but with just as much determination. Think of me. I am the color of silence. You hardly notice me, but without me, you all become superficial. I represent thought and reflection, twilight and deep water. You need me for a balance and contrast, for prayer and inner peace. And so the colors went on boasting, each convinced of his or her own superiority. Their quarreling became louder and louder. Suddenly there was a startling flash of bright lightning. Thunder rolled and boomed. Rain started to pour down relentlessly. The colors crouched down in fear, drawing close to one another for comfort. In the midst of the clamor, rain began to speak. You foolish colors, fighting amongst yourselves, each trying to dominate the rest. Don't you know that you were each made for a special purpose, unique and different? Join hands with one another and come to me. Doing as they were told, the colors united and joined hands. The rain continued. From now on, when it rains, each of you will stretch across the sky in a great bow of color as a reminder that you can all live in peace. The rainbow is a sign of hope for tomorrow. And so whenever a good rain washes the world and a rainbow appears in the sky, let us remember to appreciate one another. So that brings us to the end of our episode. I hope you enjoyed it this week. My closing prayer is always that God blesses the path you're on and you embrace that path. Next week's episode is going to be on knowing the truth and the truth will set you free. You can get me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. And on, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Catch me anywhere you download your podcast for free. I hope everybody had a great week. God bless. We'll catch you next week.